Thank you, worship team. Thank you, team. <laughs> hey, man, why don't you give him a hand? <clears throat> it's okay to honor those who serve amongst us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I think, I, I think we're going to conclude the message to the Church of Philadelphia today. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we said that, huh? I, I think, which doesn't mean a whole lot, right? Very fitting the presence of the Lord today. I've, um, the message of the, or the title of the message is that He will make a pillar. He will make us a pillar. Um, I think we're on like the sixth point of this series of this message, um, and it's He who overcomes. I will make a pillar in the temple. Um, let's read this passage one more time. Revelation chapter three, verse seven. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name, behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of the testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell upon the earth Without light. <laughs> In complete darkness. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, let there be light. I don't like the darkness. <laughs> so he goes on and says, because... You've kept the word of my perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell upon the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have in order that no one take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write upon him in the, in the name of my God and on the name of the city of my God the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So he who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple. He who overcomes. Now we've heard that over and over and over throughout these letters. He who overcomes. We shouldn't get surprised that we're going to have to overcome. Amen? That there's some stuff to overcome. This is no surprise to us. This day and age, there's going to be a separation of those who basically overcome and those who don't. Those who are filled with the presence, filled with the power, they see the word, they see that he's true, they see that he's faithful, they see that he has the keys, they see that he is the amen, he's the alpha, he's the omega. We see that this is that day. We are in that time, amen? I believe very strongly what, what, what John is, is writing, what Jesus is saying to us as the church He's speaking to us very directly, 
concerning the days and times that we're in. Amen? And I'm very encouraged that there's an open door before us. I believe it's, it's a twofold open door. There's an open door that is open before us so that we won't go through that hour of testing. So that Because we, we are not the earth dwellers. Amen? We are not, our, we're not invested in this earth. My, my future is not in stocks in this earth. I'm a sojourner that's passing through. Amen? And he's opened a door for us. But I also believe there's an open door for us for ministry and for, um, for us to see people come to the Lord. He's opened a door for us to be able to witness. And uh, I don't know if, how many of you that have went through the, the um, discipleship course have actually gotten to go out and do that and witness. Have you seen an open door? There's, I see doors that open, and then I see doors that are closed. Amen? And it's, it's, it's just a beautiful, it's very easy to be able to see, okay, cool, here's an open door, let's go through it. Nope, that one, nope. Keep, but I'm seeing doors open. I'm actually seeing people kind of jumping into the boat. If you were going fishing, there's, there's people starting to jump in the boat. I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. I'm not even having to go out. Like, they're just kind of jumping in. So, so I see that door open before us, and we have a responsibility to understand the day and the time that we're in, amen, and see that open door. He says, he who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple. So he was speaking to Philadelphia as we did the history of Philadelphia that in AD 17, there was mighty earthquakes, and there was aftershocks that happened for like 20 years. And they would come back into the town and start to rebuild. And then they would start shaking. And they'd go out again. And they'd come in and they'd go out again. And, and Jesus is telling this church, I want to give you a place of permanence. How I many you know he, he knows how to speak to us where we're at? He knows how to speak and use the situations that we're in to speak to us. And that's what he's doing to this church. He who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple. Let's look at that. Where? In the temple. What, what does that represent? The very presence of God. I'll make you a pillar in the temple. To he who overcomes, I will make you a pillar in the very presence of God Almighty. You don't have to keep coming in and out. It doesn't matter if things are shaking. Quit running back and forth. I want to make you a pillar in my presence. Church, this is what he's saying. For those who overcome, I will make you a pillar in my very presence. This is something new. This is something people like before this time, their minds are just like tripping on. I can come into your presence. You have to remember that all for thousands of years, it was only the high priest. Who could go into the presence only once a year. Only once a year and only the high priest could go into the presence of God. And then it had to be, he'd go in and he'd have to do a bunch of ceremonial cleaning and rituals. And he better make sure everything's under the blood and everything's just right. And he followed everything to a T. And then he'd go in and they would burn incense and the censer would swing back and forth to, to put a, a veil pretty much of, of smoke between the presence of God and himself. And that was a scary thing. Only one person once a year. And here the Lord said, I want to make you a pillar. A pillar, a place of permanence in my presence, not in and out. Amen? And who's it for? For all those who've been faithful, there's a place of high honor. There's a place of permanence and stability, like a pillar in the inner sanctuary of the temple. The Greek word for that is a neo. It is the inner sanctuary of the holy holies. It's also the word that Paul used for the church in Ephesus. In this passage of Ephesians chapter 2, 
verses 19 through 22. I want you to understand what God wants to do with us and what our position is. How many know it's really important to know who we are and who he wants us to be? Amen? So in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, you hear the same Holy Spirit speaking, but through another man, Paul. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. So we used to be citizens of the world. Amen? We used to have, our stakes were in this world. He said, you used to be citizens of the world, but now you're not citizens of the world any longer. But you're foreigners. You are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. That means we are of his household. He is our father. We are sons and daughters of the most high. We're different. Having been, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. He's already done this. He's already laid a foundation. He's already building. Having been built. See, there's something going on that's a lot bigger than we understand. It's a lot bigger than just ourselves. He's building something, and it's a, it's a place of permanence. Thank you, Lord. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a neo, that Greek word, a holy temple. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into that position of the Holy of Holies. In the Lord. In the Lord. In the Lord. In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I don't know if you guys felt what I felt this morning, but there was an inhabitation of the presence of God. Exactly what, I mean, thank you, Lord. This is what you're wanting to do. And I believe he's wanting to do it in a greater measure. And I believe when we understand his purpose of why we come together and who we are as we come together and what we can bring, our offering, our part, we're going to understand that this isn't something that's, it's a light thing, it's a little thing, it's a thing, it's not a coming and going. He's wanting to build us into a place and a permanence of that. Amen? Are you, are you hearing what, what's the Spirit speaking to you? You see, when the tabernacle of Moses existed and later the temple of Solomon, the Holy of Holies was the most sacred place of the whole temple or grounds. When the children of Israel moved and they were sojourning, they were moving through the temple. And the whole, it was the most sacred, the most holy place on the earth. And like I said, only the priests dared to enter it and only once a year for the Day of Atonement. This same place, it was there where the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat resided. This room represented the presence of God. And it was from there, <laughs> this is so, it was from there that the, the pillar of cloud would go out and lead them. And the pillar of fire at night would go out and lead them, the presence of God, and then it would come in. This is, this is something very, very special and powerful. So for Christ, church, for Christ to give a believer, us, such a position at the very presence of God will be an honor beyond any ever achieved by any mortal man. Amen. You need to hear that. Amen. For Christ to give a believer such a position in the very presence of God 
will be an honor beyond any ever achieved by any mortal man. And we can have that now. The very presence of God wants to come and dwell in you. And if you're a believer, does. That presence, that pillar, that cloud. And we have the opportunity to enter into him and into that presence. It, we, we sometimes get, get familiar with the presence of God. We get familiar with, with something that is, should not be familiar we should be in awe every single time we wake up in the morning and we breathe breath. He's in us. There's a whole group of people for a thousand years that never encountered that. They would encounter once in a while prophets, kings, and priests, an anointing. And then it would lift. It didn't end well. It says, he who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple in my very presence. And what a beautiful picture. This church had been expelled from the synagogue. Think about it. Remember, he says, I'll make those Jews who really aren't Jews, they're of the synagogue of Satan. See, they kicked the church out. They kicked this people out of being able to come into the temple, be able to come into the synagogue. And Jesus is saying, hey, check this out. I'm making you a pillar smack dab in the middle of my presence. Don't worry about getting kicked out. Don't worry about they're not, they don't, they're going to come worship at your feet. They're going to see that I love you. Church, we serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who's done everything he can to restore. You see, he had that presence. Adam had that. Eve had that in the garden. No restrictions in the presence. And God did so much more than just die on the cross to save us from sin, which thank God he did to save us from hell. He did do that. But more than that, he restored sonship. Amen. He restored sonship. He restored the, the presence, the sons and daughters of God, that, that family, that connection, be able to come boldly into his presence. He restored that. He didn't just save us from hell, which I'm so grateful for. But more importantly, I believe he restored what was lost in the garden. Come on. Come on. You see, the, the ancient pillars, and there was ancient pillars that are, that are still standing in Philadelphia. There's inscriptions on those pillars of people of prominence. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus says, he who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Not in these false gods' temples. In the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore, and I will write upon him the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God... And my new name. That's what he's writing on the pillar. Remember the white stone? And he wrote that name. That, that name that God knows. All those things that we've been through. And the battles we've won and overcome and conquered. And there's an inscription. And he's saying, I'm putting you on a pillar in the presence of my temple. And I'm going to put your name and my new name on you. And there's an inscription in there. I just see those things that he's so proud of as a father. That's so proud. Like, I'm going to put these in the permanence. Everyone will see. Come on. He goes on to say that you will not go out from it anymore. Whew. I know if you're like me, there's been a lot of comings and goings. Coming into his presence and going out of his presence. And feeling for whatever reason, I'm not worthy to come. I'm not worthy to, to be in this place. 
and then having to go and, and kill a bunch of more animals and sacrifices and do whatever works I got to do to be able to feel like I can come back in. He's saying, stop. Look what I've done for you. You don't have to keep coming and going. This church was being, it was shaking. All this stuff was shaking. He said, stop coming and going. I'm placing you as a pillar. That means we should be a place of stability. Come on. A place of stability in his presence. That's part of the building of the body. That's upholding it and standing on a foundation that's already been prepped. And we are going to be holding even more things to come. Come on. Come on. You can't keep coming and going. you got to stay in a place of stability in his presence so that he can keep building and building and building and building. I believe there's going to be a lot of building happening. But in that process, you need to be stable. Come on. He says, you will not go out from it anymore. We talked last week or the week before. I can't even remember because it wasn't in my notes, but about a union. Being in union. Amen. This week, the Lord put on my heart when I was thinking about that. To not go out. He says, you will not go out from it anymore. I remember Jesus teaching his disciples in John chapter 15. Remember the vine and the branches. His words, he says, remain in me. What do you think he's teaching them? You think Jesus was teaching them all of this ahead of time? Yeah. Remain in me. And I in you. Oh. The God of the earth in us. He says, remain in me and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine. In the vine. Not in anything else. In the vine. That doesn't mean a church. You can be in the church and not in the vine. Hear me. You can be in the church and not in the vine. Remain in me, not in a program, not in an idea, not in a religious system, in him. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you, unless what? You remain in me. The coming and going, guys, has to stop. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about in him. In him. You have to remain in him. He says, and I in him. The ones who remain in me and I in him bears much fruit. <laughs> For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he says, if anyone does not remain. So none of us, none of us are above this. None of us can not remain in him and be fruitful. None of us are like exempt from his words. He says, if anyone does not remain in me, and this is where Jesus gets very real. If anyone, it doesn't matter what you've done for me. You see, Jesus did tell people, yeah, they said, we've cast out demons in your name. We've done miracles in your name. Depart from me. You workers of iniquity, you're workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. 
I think this may be speaking of something of the remaining in me, of why people can say, I did your works. And he says, depart from me. I'm pretty sure they didn't remain in him. You hearing me? Because there's lots of people, oh, they did these things. It's not possible to cast out the devil, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. The devil can't cast out the devil. So there's people, there's theology say, well, they weren't saved. That's not so. I don't believe. I believe they were saved. I believe they didn't remain in him. That's, that's Steve Dennison's theology. That's not, you can debate that, whatever you want, and that's okay. I don't say, I'm not pretending I have all the answers. It's just my thoughts on this. Amen? Here's what I know about remaining in him. I want you to think, take, take a journey of, of thinking. I know it's early, but this is not going to be too hard to, to figure out. If I was to take a fish out of water and put lungs in it, that would be a new creation. It would never be able to live in the water again. I did take some science in high school. You hear me? If I took a fish out of the water and put lungs in it, it would never be able to go back in the water and live. Now, therefore, I've made you a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Boy, it is so quiet today. It's okay. I'm not upset. All things have become new. I want you to remain in my presence. I want to make you a pillar of permanence in my presence. I've taken you out from outside of my presence where there is no life, there is no hope, there is no joy, there is no peace. There's death, sin, and regret, and shame, and guilt, and I've brought you into this place of my presence. And I've indwelt you, and I want you to indwell me. And I don't want you ever to go back out. Because I've put a new form. You have new lungs. You have new eyes. You have, we are in a whole new place. And you no longer fit in this place outside of my presence. There is no life in that place. Come on. Come on. And he did that. Took the old out of me. And put me in the new so that I would never be able to go back into the old. Come on. I would never be able to go back there and live. Come on. You can go back, but you won't live. I want to say something. How many ever seen a happy backslider? You ever seen a joy-filled backslider? I've never met one. How many's ever been one? I tell you what misery looks like. Being in his presence. And going out. You see, a happy backslider is like, if you can show me one, I'll show you a, a faithful liar. Show you a truthful liar. You show me a happy backslider, I'll show you a a virtuous harlot. 
I'll show you an honest thief. No such thing. Because once you've been taken out and put new in, you're not able to be happy and dwell in that old. He says, I'll write on him a new name. If you're keeping notes, this is like point eight now. <laughs> I'll write on him my new name. This new name is a representation of what he is and that we are children of his seed. There's a new name. The Bible says that we've been adopted. Amen? But there's a new name. It represents a new father, a new nature. Amen? This new name. First <laughs> John chapter 2, 28 through chapter 3, verse 9. We're going to go on a journey. I love John, the author of Revelation and um, the book of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. But at 1st John, he uses this term to, to the believers, little children. I love that. It's so endearing. He's, he's, he's this father. He's older, walked with Jesus and, this, and the believers, and he's calling all oh, little children. So endearing, John. He says, now little children remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence how many want to have confidence? How many of you right now are in confidence? You should be in confidence. Like, I'm in confidence of who I am in the Lord, where we're at in this time, and what my future is looking like. There's a confidence. This is what Paul wants. This is what John wants. This is what Jesus wanted us to be confident. Remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not draw back from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness has also been born of him. Amen? See how a great love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. <laughs> For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. See, we, the world, the old world that we used to live in and we used to be able to live in and reside in and breathe in and operate in, we've been taken out of that. We are no longer can live in that world and therefore they can't know us. They, how, why can't they know us? Because we're a new creation. We don't, we don't, we're not able to filter water and breathe anymore. We've been given a new set of lungs that is not to live in that place. And they don't understand it. And they don't recognize that. It looks wild and different. It is. Christ in us is the hope of glory. It is something bizarre and wild that the King of kings and the Lord of lords resides inside of us. And has filled us with his presence. And they cannot know that. There's, they have no clue. It says, for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now, <laughs> now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet. This is so good. What we will be. 
We are children of God now, but it has not appeared as yet what we will be. What's he speaking of? In context, he was saying of when the Lord returns. He's saying, we don't even know yet fully what we will be when he comes because we are going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. Metamorphoso. You think like this is a new creation? Dimensions are opening up. Dimensions are opening up. We are going to be transformed, renewed, changed in the instant, in the smallest fraction of time that can be measured is what the Bible says, which is faster than the speed of light. Boom. Whoo! I'm looking forward to that. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. There's a little picture of what it's going to be like. What Jesus was like when he resurrected is, is a small glimpse, and we don't even understand because he could go through a wall, and then you could still touch him. What? And I think it's a lot more than that. And we'll also be, <laughs> we will be like him. He says, because we will see him just as he is. Peter and John and James, they still couldn't see him as he is. They somewhat recognized him, but at the same time, they didn't always recognize him. We will see him as he is. Why? Because we will be like him. And yet we're supposed to be like him even now on this earth. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope set on him. What's our hope set on? What's our hope set on? Jesus. What is our hope set on? Everyone who has their hope set on him does what? Purifies himself. Just as he is pure. We will be like him. We will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. That word in the Greek is hagnizo. Purifies. To make clean. That is figuratively to sanctify ceremonially or morally. So it is a picture of like the high priests, preparing church, preparing to meet him, preparing to see him as he really is, preparing to come into that place. We have an ob ob obligation and, a, and if we're smart and wise, um, pay attention to what this word says. Everyone that has his hope set on purifies himself. Now, has he already washed us? Yes. Has he washed us in the blood? Yes. Positionally, we have been made holy and righteous in his sight. But we also, Paul said, we're to wash ourselves by the water and the renewing of our minds of the word of God. So we are, can we purify ourselves? Yes. That means we're taking every thought captive. There's things that are coming. We're taking these things captive going, no, this is not from the Lord. I'm not going to dwell on that. No, this is, this is a lie. I'm not going to feed on that. We're purifying ourselves. We're identifying things in our life that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on and says, I don't want this in you because this is the old life. 
This is the old thing. This is not supposed to be in you. I've made you new and whole, and I'm trying to prepare you for what's to come. So purify yourself. Are we kingdom priests? We are. Do kingdom priests have a, a, a way to purify themselves and go through that? Do you think God was just doing that just because he just was bored? Like, I'm just going to come up with this figure thing, make these priests purify themselves and go through these rituals just because I'm weird. Or do you think he's wanting us to see there's something I need you to see? Prepare yourself for what's to come. Prepare yourself. It's a lot bigger than what we think. He goes on in verse 4, it says, everyone, I love these words, everyone, all-inclusive, everyone who what? Practices sin. Some translations just say everyone who sins, and I don't think that's a real good interpretation. Truly, it's everyone who practices sin. That means not just you occasionally, something happens, you slip up. You're in that mode. You know you're not removing. You're not purifying. You're not doing the things that God is putting his finger on saying, I want this out. And you're not doing that. That's practicing. Are you hearing me? Not I slipped up. Not, Lord, you're good. When you're practicing. This, this is what he's saying. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one. Hear those words? No one who remains in him sins continually or practices sin. No one. You know, it's impossible to do that when you remain in him. No one who sins continually has seen him or knows him. No one. So you can't be the, we, we can't go, well, I've seen him and I know him. That means you might not have been in his presence fully yet. You might have said a prayer. Church, you got to hear me. There's a lot of people saying prayers. There's a lot of people Saying, oh, I've been in his presence. If you've been in his presence, that's a consuming fire. There's some things going to burn out of you. There's some things that are going to change. You're not going to stay the same. When you come into his presence, he's like, hey, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. You don't just come in and, hey, God, what's up? Oh, no. I don't know if you know him. You don't stay the same. It's not possible. Like people say, well, I got saved. And you're exactly the same as you were before. You did not get saved. You did not meet him. It's not possible. That doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect, that you're never going to sin. But you cannot continually practice sin. You can't. It's going to grieve you to death. It's going to cause you to go, I don't want to be like this anymore. This is wrong. I, God, I need help. I can't continually practice this. When you're in that place, it says you, you fool yourself to think that you know me. You're not hearing this kind of preaching much anymore. Little children. 
make sure no one deceives you. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. What do you think he's talking about? What are we talking about? You're okay. It's all right. We can be, I mean, good Lord, it's gotten crazy what Christians can do. And what churches are ordaining and allowing. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. Apparently, it's possible for us to be deceived. The one who practices righteousness. What's that mean, Pastor Steve? I'm glad you asked. To practice righteousness means to conform to God's will in purpose, thought, and action or deed. To conform to God's purpose. What is God's purpose? In his, in, in his, his will, God's will and purpose in your thought and action and deed. To conform. That means it's got to bend, it's got to change, it's got to be remolded. You've got to submit your will to practice righteousness. Does that mean it's going to be perfectly done the first time? No, that means that you're going to know, like, oh, I see what I did. I need to conform my will. Lord, I want to walk in righteousness. I want to walk in holiness as you're holy. Lord, I recognize this is not for me. This is that old world. This is that old life. I submit to your will for my life. I don't know how it's going to happen, Lord. I'm struggling. I don't even know yet. I'm fully like on board, but I know you're calling me and telling me to get rid of this. You're conforming your will to his will. And purpose and thought and action. So it's not just hearing it. The hearing it thing's over, guys. It's the doing. Anyone can hear it. Anyone can say it, but you got to do it. You got to conform your will, your thought, your purpose. What's your purpose? Why am I here? It's not just to get a paycheck and keep being the the hamster on the wheel and doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is. Woo! The one who practices, not the one who's perfected, who's perfected it, the one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is. Oh, this is going to get good. Like, be ready. Just as he is. Not the one who's already done it and fulfilled it and perfected it. You haven't do that, and I'm not going to be able to do that either. But I can practice righteousness. I can identify that I've been given a new set of lungs, and I can't live in that water anymore. I recognize this is not from him, and I have to purpose my mind, my thoughts, my will, everything in order with what you say. Because I can't afford to miss out. I must purify myself. Come on.
the one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God appeared. Church, here's what, what's your purpose? Thank you, John. The Son of God has appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come to the earth? To destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come to the earth? To seek and save that which was lost. Why did Jesus come to the earth? To destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Sin, lawlessness, sickness, disease, shame, guilt, possession, oppression, depression. He came to destroy all those works. So if we are the sons and the daughters of the Most High that he dwells in and lives in, what is our purpose? To seek and save that which is lost and to destroy the works of the devil. No other purpose. So what else, whatever your minds are wrapped up in and whatever your other plans and all these other things, cast those aside and realize your purpose is to seek and save that which is lost and destroy the works of the devil. That's not for the cowardly. That's for the righteous. That's not for the cowardly. That's not for those who are back and forth in his presence. No, I want to establish you as a monument and a pillar in my presence and in my temple. And when you do that, I will write a name on you and people will see that and they will honor me and glorify me. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one, here we go again, no one who has been born of God practices sin. That's just bizarre, isn't it, when you hear? You can't. You're born again. You can't live in the water no more. You have lungs. You were made to dwell in his presence. In union with him. To walk in the light as he is in the light. And have fellowship with him. And our whole purpose for coming to prayer is to not make our, to, to lay out our list of stuff we need. But it's to know him. To know him. To know him. And in that, we can make our requests known to the Lord. But we're not coming with a laundry list telling him what to do. We're submitting ourselves to saying, God, I want to know you. I need to know you so I can be like you. I need to know your thoughts. I need to know your heart. I need to know your word. He's given us his word i got to know you. We come into the word, not so we can say we read the word. We get into the word, not so we can say, I checked that off my box. I get into the word so I can know him. Amen. I need to know you. Lord. I, need to, I need to know what your thoughts are because you've written them down here. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to know you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No one who has been born of God practices sin because he, his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin. <laughs> his seed remains in him and he cannot sin. There's this beautiful word. It's called remain. If 
you remain in me, I will remain in you. He cannot sin continually because he has been born of God. You've been taken out of the old and reborn into him with his seed, his DNA. You have a new DNA. You cannot live in the former place. You won't fit in the former place. That former place won't like you because you're not like them. They won't recognize you because you have a new DNA. He said, they didn't recognize me and they won't recognize you. So stop trying to conform yourself to the world and conform yourself to him, to his image. To what does it look like? What did he do? Jesus said, I've done what I, I do, what I see the father do. And he modeled it so that we should do what he did. I'm not the sharpest guy. But I'm pretty sure if we do what Jesus did and we apply what he told us to do, it's going to go well with us. And it's not enough to hear it. Believe it and do it. Conform your will, your thoughts, your actions, your deed to it. And in any of those areas where we, we find that, I don't like this. I don't, we're wrong. Every time. Well, I don't like, it doesn't matter if you like it. It's the truth. And you've got to know it so it can set you free. Church, God wants to deliver a lot of folks. He came to destroy the works of darkness. He came to destroy the works of darkness. We can't destroy the works of darkness while we're in darkness. You got to be the light. I don't know how many different ways we have to say it, but I tell you what, I'm getting worn out. I seriously am. Like the last like couple months, I'm getting wore out trying to minister. And you're going like, yeah, you're doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, I'm doing what God's saying to do. We're following through his letters, his love letters, his epistles to the church of this day. And at some point, it's got to get in and in here and then come out. It has to. Because he, he has put in us his power, his spirit, his presence. And it's to destroy the works of darkness. To seek and save that which is lost. You think we're just going through these like discipleship things just because it's the thing to do? I actually believe what his word says. I actually believe it. And we're trying to equip you. So that we can seek and save that which is lost. And we're going to start equipping in deliverance. And you don't have to be someone special. The spirit of the living God lives inside of you. And his job is to break the, the chains of darkness off of people. To set the captives free. That's his, that's his whole desire. So if he lives inside of us, he wants to move in that way. And we have to be a willing vessel that believes it, that puts our mind, our will, our thoughts, our actions and deeds in line with him, that purifies ourselves, that walks in hand and in step with him and says, Lord, wherever you lead, I'm following. Come on. That's a little different. Come on, if we're honest, that's a little different than how we've all been living. We've been living on a come to Sunday, feel good enough to just feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not in trouble and continue about our business. No. The American church is not what the church is supposed to look like. And then we measure ourselves by ourselves. We look around. Well, well, shoot, we're doing a little better than those other guys down the street. Stop it. Does our life look like Jesus's? That's the measuring stick. 
Does our church, do, do we look like the book of Acts? Because if it doesn't, we're not there. And it don't, don't hurt. I love to feel the presence of the Lord, and he's blessing us by coming in our midst, but there's more. There's much more. Are you destroying the works of the devil? When you come into a place, is darkness fleeing? Do you have a confidence that the Christ in you is the hope of glory? That the Christ in you will destroy the works of darkness? That you don't need to go get 10 other people to come pray with you because you're walking in a, in a purity and in a holiness and in a confidence with your God that you know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And if you're not, then why aren't you? Because you can have as much of him as you want. There's no limit. You can only, the Old Test, they can only go in once a year, one man. And he's saying, I ripped the veil in half. Come, come. No one who's been born of God practices sin because his seed remains in him and he cannot sin continually because he's been born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. By this. How do we know? By this. It's obvious. So parents, if your kids, listen to me, if your kids' is fruit on their trees is sin and they're practicing sin, it should be obvious. Don't fool yourself and think it's okay. They're all right. You need to be praying for them, interceding for their souls. You conform your will and your mind and your heart to walk in holiness, to walk in that place, to show them what it looks like. And if there's any area in you that's been off, then get it right and show them and repent before them. And say, I'm sorry. I did not lead you right. This is the way. I'm not trying to hurt no one's feelings, but what's the word say? By this, it's obvious. You cannot practice sin. You're either practicing sin or you're practicing righteousness. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone, again, anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter who your mama is. Don't matter who your daddy is. Don't matter what deeds you used to do. Don't matter how many people you brought to the Lord. Are you practicing righteousness? Because anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor the one who does not love his brother and sister. There's so many people today. They're deceived. She said, little children, let no one deceive you. They're deceived to think, well, I don't have to come to church. I'm a Christian, but I don't have to come to church. Why would you not want to be with your brothers and sisters? Don't deceive yourself. There's something broken. There's something off. Well, I don't have to go to church. That you've been hurt. Something got mis misaligned. 
Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the ones who does not love his brother and sister. Means you better get some stuff under the blood. You better get your thoughts and mind and will conformed to his. Practicing righteousness to conform to God's will and purpose, thought and action. And we go, what's sin then? Missing the mark. Missing what he has set out. This is what I have for you. And you're, you're, this is what I want for you. What you're missing is victory. You're missing freedom. You're missing his presence. That's what sin is. No victory, no presence, no anointing. We'll take it to the next level. First John tells us that, but you have an anointing. It comes from the Holy Spirit, it comes from God that no man should even teach you. You have an anointing. I came across this, I wasn't really necessarily going to share it, but um, I think it's important. You have an anointing. What is that anointing? The word anointing in John means to be smeared. Not, not dropped a drop of oil, to be smeared. When I think of smeared, that's, that's like a, and it is, it's a thick oil. Like farm equipment or like big gears, like you smear that with oil. Why? It's a lubrication. An anointing. You have an anointing. See, God has given us an anointing from the Holy Spirit. And when we're walking in that place, he has smeared us with the Holy Spirit. And it, it breaks through resistance. Wow. It breaks through resistance. It also has a depth of a healing anointment in it. And where there's been cracks and breaks and things, it goes in and it seeps in. It doesn't just wipe off. It's absorbing in there. There's a lot of it. It's going to go in and fill and break and, and, and heal those brokenness and those injuries. But you're going to be anointed to where when you go through some tight spots, you're anointed. You can go right through. No resistance. You ever seen someone, there's an anointing on what they're doing. It's different. Like they don't even have to work. It just happens. There's breakthrough. When someone's anointed for something, there's supernatural. There's something going on that's different than their natural gifts and talents. And there's breakthrough. The resistance that would come again, it can't stop it. Come on. But you've been anointed, church. Now, I'll tell you what wrecks your anointing. And you have, to, you have to handle your anointing. You're responsible for your anointing. Sin kills your anointing. I promise you, I know from my own life. Doesn't mean you're not saved, but you, your anointing is very weak. And when that anointing is strong, you're walking in a place of submission. You're walking in a place of obedience. You're in his presence. And that anointing is a sign of being in his presence. And there's a supernatural ability on your life to break through. Where others would get stuck, where there's fight and resistance, that anointing, you phoom, right through. It goes before you. I'm closing up. We put on some pretty feel-good stuff. It'd be awesome. First John chapter 4, 17. He says, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, a place of permanence, a position of permanence. Confidence on the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, we are also. 
in this world. He said, I will put a name on you. It's going to represent my name. I'm going to make, a, make you a pillar in my presence. I'm going to put a new name on you. My name. What did, what did John say? By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, we also are. Or, or as he is, we are also in this world. That means as he is in this world, I want you to just close your eyes and hear my words. As he is in this world means, this is what I, this is Denison's theology. Christ obeyed the law for me. He has placed his obedience in the place of my disobedience. I want you to picture that. Your disobedience, let go of it. Allow Christ to place his obedience in that place. As he is, we also are in the world. It's like saying, though you may be untrue, Christ is your truth. Let go of your untruth. Allow him to place his truth in you. Though you may be unclean, Christ is your chastity. I remember not too long ago, a young woman asked me, we were doing some marriage counseling. She said, I said, God, God restores everything when you come into him. She goes, basically she's saying, even my purity. I said, 100%. He makes all things new. Though you may be unclean, Christ is your chastity. Let him, let him replace that. Though you may be dishonest, Christ is your honesty. Though you may be insincere, Christ is your sincerity. Christ obeyed the law for me. He has placed his obedience in the place of my disobedience. Though you may be untrue, Christ is your truth. Though you may be unclean, Christ is your chastity. Though you may be dishonest, Christ is your honesty. Though you may be insincere, Christ is your sincerity. The woman that wrote that was Catherine Booth. Her and her husband were the founders of the Salvation Army, the late 1800s. This isn't some new theology, some new thing that Pastor Steve's coming up with, but I've been saying this for quite some time. You gotta exchange your life for his. You got to see yourself how he sees you. Holy, spotless, whole, well. The last passage of scripture I'm going to share is Jeremiah. This is what Jeremiah prophesied. 33, 15 through 16. He says, in those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch of David sprout. Speaking of Jesus. And he shall execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days, so the executing justice and righteousness is coming. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. He's prophesying of this day to come that the name of the city of our God will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Church, you got to get that. Jeremiah is prophesying of this before Jesus ever even came. 
He's saying there's going to be a shoot come from that olive tree out of the line of David. And he's going to execute justice and righteousness. And there's a future to come. And in this city, it will be called the Lord is our righteousness. That's the name. The name that he wants to put on you. The Lord is my righteousness. Come on. Come on. Just spend some time in his presence. If you've been in and out of his presence, stop. If you've been fooling yourself thinking that you can live in that water when he's put new lungs in you, you can't. If you've been fooling yourself to think that these little things aren't that big of a deal, go back and reread what we just read. He says, it's obvious. Anyone, everyone, anyone who practices sin, everyone who practices righteousness. He came and he's inside of you so that you can defeat the works of the devil. So that you can destroy the works of the devil. Christ in you, the hope of glory. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a permanent place in his presence? We shouldn't have to go like, well, I need to go somewhere so I can get into his presence. We're walking in his presence. Paul said that I, I, I pray without ceasing. He's basically saying, I'm in his presence all day long. That's not in a thing of like I'm saying my list. That's in a place of recognizing that, Lord, I want to know you. I want to see you in everything. I want to see you in every part of my life. Lord, I wonder if you're even talking to me now. I wonder if you've led me to this place. I don't understand it, but I'm guessing that you have because you're in me and I'm in you and I'm with you. And your purpose in me is that I would seek and save that which is lost just like your purpose. Your purpose in me is I would destroy the works of darkness. So if I go into a place and I see the works of darkness, I'm not to agree with it. I'm not to submit to that. I'm not to align myself with that. I'm to stand over here and say, I don't believe that's of the Lord. And I believe that there's something better. And let me tell you about my God. Let me, let me show you what he looks like. Let me show you that, that those things that you're bound in, he can break those things. In the name of Jesus, come out. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. In the name of Jesus, be free. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? Amen. I'm going to dismiss you. Um, we have another service coming. Um, if you guys want to spend some time where you're at, we'll just keep the music quiet. You totally can. Um, if you don't know the Lord and you are ready to make that, that um, jump out of old, old areas where there's no life and no hope and no peace, and no, then I would love to lead you to that place. You can come and see me after service or, or see one of our other pastors. Pastors, raise your hand. So take a look around. There's a handful of them, amen? All right, you are dismissed. We'll see you next week.